My dad hands us an ice-cold Coors Light each. I'm 10 years old, my brother's nine years old. This is Dallas, Texas, or Plano, <laughs> Texas. You know, people looking at him. And one of the parents went up to him and said, you know, David, this, this kind of thing just isn't done here. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a matter of you know, trying to check off every Colorado brewery. It was a matter of collecting experiences and quite frankly falling in love with Colorado all over again. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Welcome back to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. This week, uh, we got a pretty interesting show. Um, Really interesting guy that we got to know a little bit before we even recorded the podcast. Paul Myhill is better known around Colorado circles as the Colorado beer guy because he visited all 465 breweries or something, right? 467 stops 67 total. 67 stops total in Colorado in in a, like a year and a half or something. So Paul visited all these breweries and that's what kind of put him on our, on our radar, right? Because that's a pretty interesting story because we go to a lot of breweries, but that is a ton of breweries in a short amount of time. But... The cool thing is we've been going around with Paul to there's a there's a festival in Colorado called the the Collaboration Festival where every beer there is like a one-off beer made by at least two different breweries. I'll put links in the show notes if you're around because it's coming up on April 2nd. Right. And the cool so this is a cool one of my favorite brew fests definitely by far because everything's like this is the only time you're ever going to get this beer is here pretty much. Um but for that we got to go around to a lot of the different brew days that these different breweries were having together. And Paul was too. And so we got to know him. We knew we wanted to talk to him about doing the whole Colorado beer thing, right? Cause that's pretty unique. There's only a handful of people who have done it, but that led to such a different level than we thought we were going to get out of Paul. Cause there's so much more to his story than just Colorado beer. I mean, it led to learning that he grew up in England and he's got so many different cool stories about him growing up in England and where his passion for beer came from, from there. It led to talking more about how he's traveled to just under a hundred countries. So we've got that in there as well. Um, it also led to his very intriguing 40 day beer only fast. Yeah, so, that doesn't mean he gave up beer for 40 days. He only consumed beer for 40 days, no food. <laughs> and so we talk about all of that on the podcast. So this is a really cool. And he's a serial fun, entrepreneur too. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's really a lot to Paul and his story. And there's a lot talking about on. Colorado beer is just the tip of the iceberg. That's just our jumping off point. So make sure you uh, you listen to the whole thing. But before we jump into that, I actually want to turn this over to April. Y'all might know it's coming. Because you know it's coming. Yeah. If you have any interest in traveling at all or any interest in craft beer or any interest in mountain biking or any interest in photography or any interest in community and making friends. Or, or any putting interest, all those together. Yeah. In a nice, neat little package. All those together in Brevard, North Carolina, this fall, 2022. 
Kenny, you always know the more specific dates. I can never remember the damn dates. <laughs> October 20th through the October 23rd. 2022, Brevard, yeah. North Carolina, Camp Carpe Diem. Check it out. Ask us if you have any questions about it. And you can check out campcarpediem.com. At C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com. All the details are there. And for anybody that is going, where the hell is Brevard? Okay, you know where North Carolina is, but where the hell is Brevard? It's actually pretty close to Asheville. So we're going to be in that whole Asheville. It's actually the Asheville-Brevard area. So there's a ton of world-class mountain biking there, tons of breweries, awesome mountains and waterfalls and photography opportunities. And we're going to be doing all kinds of fun stuff Dude, there. This is a this is an adult camp. This is an adult fun camp where we all hang out and play and oh my god, you don't want to miss this. But you also don't want to miss our podcast this week. So we're gonna get directly to Paul. Yeah, right? let's let's dive right in because yeah, Paul had a lot to say. And like I said, there's a lot more to Paul than being just the Colorado beer guy. Yeah. His is a really interesting story, so make sure you listen through because it is fantastic. Here's Paul. Live kind of from I'm yeah, so, <laughs> live that. kind of from sort from sort of kind <laughs> of but actually literally we are coming from Yes. Strange Craft Beer Company in Denver, Colorado with Paul. Paul, tell us more about you and why we like you and what you're doing here. Don't I'm, I, just like, I'm just going to give I the job first say, hi, Ken, hi, April. <laughs> Great to meet you guys. <laughs> Again. That's exactly how you do that. Right. And that's how we're starting. See, the problem is going to be, I'll start saying stuff like, well, like I was telling you before, or like I like I shared with you two so, days ago. Okay, so let's do this. Yeah, that's okay. We've <laughs> by we know Paul already. So how do we start with this? He what said if, a lot of things before. Kenny, what? what have we been doing like all week? Um, leading up to this podcast, because we've drinking been hanging beer. out. We've been hanging out with Paul for about a week at breweries, drinking lots of beer. Right. That's pretty much what we've been and doing. And so, knowing that we are going to also be doing a podcast, we are also just kind of chatting. Plus, we're getting to know each other. So, yes, you might hear us say, "Like we said before," and you'll be like going back into the podcast trying to say, "Did they say this before?" No, don't do that because yeah. we've already talked, and uh, you're about yeah. to hear the story for the first okay. time. Yeah, trying to refrain from. So we've been playing kind of sort of brewing but more like drinking at all these different breweries around denver the last week yeah well and paul has been drinking at breweries all around colorado for a while now like how long did so i've I've been drinking at colorado breweries for 21 years now okay so but recently (laughs) why is paul on our podcast that's what i'm trying to say if you don't interrupt (laughs) (laughs) but recently you made headlines everywhere across colorado at least for well, drinking at every single brewery and tap room, right? Uh, yeah, every brewery and associated brewery tap room. So okay. it has to, has to be associated with the brewery. So right, whether, not whether just it's their bar. secondary or ancillary tap room. Yes, I wanted to get the full flavor of what any one brewery had to offer. So if they had two or even three different. Um, tap rooms in addition to the production side I wanted to experience those tap rooms also and wait did we did you say the timeline did I miss that no I didn't get the timeline yet how it was 18 months how long did it take you I actually start yeah 18 I I finished just shy of 18 months Uh, I started July 24th of 2020 that's my mother's birthday 
my mother took her life about 20 years ago. So on her birthday, I, I tend to kind of go out, you know, grab a buddy or whatever, and uh, not to you know medicate with alcohol, but just to get a get get into my happy place, a brewery, and just you know kind of put you know the 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 memory of the tragedy aside and just think of you know great times I had with my mom and you know whether it was pubs in England or helping me homebrew in Texas and this particular J July 24th we had the the breweries coming out of lockdown and you know things were opening up and we had already been supporting them during the lockdown with you know curbside pickups of beer and now that things were opening up, we really wanted Wait, to... we are in a working brewery. People are in the background. You will hear lots of noise. Anyhow, keep going. Hey, fair enough. <laughs> you may hear a lot of noise from me, too, this side of the table. Um, so it was, it was a, a different feeling this, this time around, and, and we ended up going to five breweries that night, my buddy and I, a guy I've known for 20 years. And... So the challenge was, hey, let's do 10 in 10 days, which was ridic ridiculously low since we just did five in one night. So we did that within the next couple of days. And then it was, gosh, let's, let's do 30 in 30 days. We did that in 10 days. Can we do 100 in 100 days? You know, we did that in a, a couple of months. So it progressed to, gosh, I'm just going to do 365 unique breweries and brewery tap rooms in 365 days a year. And I accomplished that task two weeks early. And the hardest part of this quest was then not going anywhere for the next two weeks. I didn't want to finish off the year with 378 breweries. I mean, you know, 365 and in 365 days. So you had two weeks at the end of the year yeah, where, didn't where, want where to I didn't do anything. <laughs> so I, I was jonesing, not from a needing alcohol standpoint, but from the adventure, you know, the, 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 the going out and the plotting out of the next 15 breweries for the week or whatnot. And so yet yeah, that two week period was tough, uh, but the, the, the revised challenge, obviously at that point, well, let's just hit them all. Nice. And well, it wasn't. Holy Tim, cow, look Tim at that. is bringing us some. Hostess with the mostess. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tim. Cherry bomb. Oh, we got a little. This is a, this is a happy accident from 2010, where instead of four ounces of rowbar, I threw in four pounds of rowbar. <laughs> I was looking at the the, the oh, water nice. going into the kettle. And, oh, this is really dark. <laughs> and I checked the recipe like four times. Yep, 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 four, yep, yep, yep. Wait, ounces? Wait, did I do one? No, I didn't pound. And you're like, shit! Nice. <laughs> 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 wow. It's very it's good, though. Cherry pound. It's it is very good. It is very good. So we yeah. served oh my it. Gosh. And uh, Danny and Betty, when they opened Caution, came here a lot early on. And this was Betty's favorite beer. And when I told her, hurry up and drink it because gonna blow today and I'm not making any more. She cussed me out in German for like five minutes. I actually backed <laughs> up. I felt I felt, you know, concerned for my physical well being the way she was <laughs> pitching me out. I'm like, or we could brew it again. <laughs> <laughs> and thus it's back. Well cheers. Cheers Tim. Cheers, thanks. Cherry bomb. Yeah. We got the sneak peek. Yes. Cheers. I don't think this even goes on until tomorrow. Cheers. All right. 
gotta tap that table. I tap that. <laughs> Okay. So yes, the revised challenge became hit them all, and it didn't matter if I had visited them previously or not. This wasn't a, oh, let me just finish all the breweries I've never been to. It's, let me do every brewery in Colorado. Wait, so you started again? Well, no. He no, no. With the 365, I continued. Okay. But even within the 365... Um, my average for the whole, you know, 467 stops was about 30% of the breweries and, and tap rooms I had previously visited. In years, but because yes, he's been in, drinking yeah, for 20 something years. Because I've been, yeah, I've been living here for 20 years. <laughs> There's actually been, years. you know, over 150 breweries I've been to over the years that have closed. Mm-hmm. So oh, I've, wow. I've probably gone to more closed Colorado breweries than most people have been to open Colorado breweries, but that you know that's a factor of living here for 21 years as mm-hmm. well as being a you know beer geek that has to stop every brewery along the but way. Right? He's now putting us to shame because mm. we have been in Colorado for like 30 some years and considered ourselves a beer geek, and we haven't even hit all the Colorado breweries. Oh, not even close, but we've never <laughs> made that effort either. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you certainly don't have to be a you know, a certified beer geek to uh, you just have buy, to be buy certifiable. Hit every Colorado, <laughs> yeah, yeah, certifiable. Yes, I don't know. I've I certainly think you, felt that along the way. I think you but, should be in charge of that. You actually create a certificate, and then when someone you get no, 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 that's the, that. Yep, that's the shout out. So, you know, I'm Colorado beer guy on Facebook. We have Jonathan Sykes, who's the Colorado beer man. But the guy who truly has made this possible is Stephen Adams, the Colorado Beer Geek, and you know his compadres at the Colorado Brewery list. I mean, that that was the authority. I had to look at the Colorado Brewery Brewery list to to plan out the, the whole quest. Well, they do a great right. job of keeping track of yeah. all the. Breweries. And how many did you say it was? Four hundred sixty-seven. I did four hundred sixty-seven stops, but it's, yeah. a, it's a moving target because there's breweries opening. Yeah, there's breweries opening. The there's breweries closing. So there was about ten or so that closed during that time. In fact, the first two we started off with on July twenty-fourth, the first place we went to was was Boggy Draw. Mm. Second place we went to was Dead Hippie. Mm. And Boggy Draw closed. Yep. Never mm-hmm. to reopen, as far as we know. Dead so hip. Far. Dead hippie closed. Thankfully, the dead hippie was resurrected <laughs> with new owners coming in. But for a while there, I'm like, gosh, this is a supposed to be a journey of support. Yeah. And hippies never. Die. And and, just go and, to and, and these guys are closing down after I visit me. Oh, maybe I'm a bad omen. Maybe I need to stop yeah. visiting. <laughs> but but yes, we. Uh, uh, I say we because I, I usually had somebody with me, either as a designated driver, my my lovely bride Lisa, or my buddy AJ, or, or others. Um, especially if I was hitting multiple breweries um, in a day, I needed someone else behind the wheel, obviously. But um, but the the quest had to be every um, associated tap room, also. But that that includes all the Oscar. Blues grills, mm-hmm. all the BJs, the rock bottoms, the the post chicken. <laughs> so <clears throat> there, there are a few places that I went to. I'm like, man, I wish I was someone at, somewhere else right now. Not because it was a bad experience or the beer was bad, but yeah. 
man, I've got a hundred others left to do, so why am I doing the, the third Oscar Blues today or the, yeah, the second post chicken today? You know? <laughs> you're getting roughly the same experience because yeah. it's, you know, I mean, yeah, there's only are, so much difference yeah, between those the are, tap rooms. Yeah, those are pretty, you know, replicable concepts where you get right. the, the, the same experience. But then there's with some of these other breweries that have that second location or even a third location where the experience was quite different. And I think that's just part of, of the discovery process and experiencing what a brewery's identity is. Sometimes that brewery's identity is a split personality where the production uh, location and tap room is quite different than a secondary tap room they may have in the same city or, or another city in Colorado. What would you say is one, a good example of that? Like a brewery that was like had a certain character when they had a tap room at the production facility, but then you went to a, an associated tap room somewhere and it was like vastly different to you. Like the experience was different, maybe the beer was different, I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, there, there's quite a few that would fall into that category, but one would be um, the, the, you know, Hollow Daily. I was mm -hmm. there yesterday for their, their collab brew with Westfax, and, and that location in Golden versus the location in the Denver Tech Center, two totally different vibes. Right. Same beer, um, same good product with what they're doing with gluten-free, but two different vibes altogether and then if you're counting the um, I didn't actually count the the you know the the airport locations um, but you get airport locations of breweries yeah. all over the country where that experience is obviously not the same as going to the tap room yeah yeah you know you're playing to I assume the clientele in that area too you know because yeah. it's Denver Tech Center for for your holiday daily example. Denver Tech Center is vastly different than yep. Golden. You know, Golden different vibe, different Golden's, people hanging out there. Golden's like foothills and yeah. kind of act, active lifestyles, and mountain bikes. And, and they no, they they did it right for their clientele. Yeah. So uh, the breweries that have different experiences at different tap rooms, it's not that they are unable to replicate what they achieved with the primary location. It's that they've adapted to the customer base where they're they're locating, and that that's the great thing about just local craft beer, right? It, mm -hmm. it it's it's local, it's community, and and you adjust and adapt to whatever that mm -hmm. specific community is. Yeah, because that's how you build the community. Yep. Yeah. And so achieving this goal, it made you, and I don't even know how many there are now. You might know the number, but you're now considered a Colorado brewery master, right? Yeah, um, gosh, I've been getting, by I, 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 you know, I, I'm obviously enjoying chatting with you guys today. You know, I've had all these radio interviews yeah. and, and <laughs> TV and, and newspapers, and but I, yeah, I'm not, the, I'm not the first or only guy to do this. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know if it's because I look like the beer geek and, and people love <laughs> love the, the, the. I posted a lot of photos, so mm -hmm. people have been following me along the way, and then. When I completed it, they're like, okay, we need to write an article on you or put you on the air or what, whatever. Yeah, it's a fun but story. Though. No, there's a, there's a group of, um, gosh, I want to say, you know, 10 or 12 folks that have completed it at certain times, whether it was when Colorado had 200 breweries or 300 breweries. Quite a few folks hit it at that, that 300 brewery mark. But as far as this 
you know, 400 plus mark. I think there's five of us. And, you know, ironically, you know, I, I bump in to those guys when I was doing the, the quest, right? So Patrick and Ruth Malone, as I'm like seven away from completing, I'm at Bell's Brothers in, in Colorado Springs and they're there re-upping, you know, to, to, <laughs> to, to get back to 100%. And then, of course, uh, Stephen Adams, who I previously mentioned, mm -hmm. Colorado Beer Geek. Um, uh, I think he, he's got one more to re-up at Anarchy uh, Brewing, <laughs> uh, but you know, he's, practically, he's, he's basically there too, right? Uh, the, the, one of the funny things on this journey for me was being in Grand Junction, standing outside of Foam and Folly before they opened for the day, one, one of the new breweries in Grand Junction, which required me to go back to the city. <laughs> Them and Gemini had opened up after I had previously been there. And I'm waiting outside the door, and there's another guy waiting outside the, the, the door, also beard like me. And then I, so I, start, I joked about cutting in line, because it was just the two of us. I joked about cutting in line, say, hey, hey I'm. I, I'm getting in before you because I'm on this quest to, to finish all the Colorado breweries. And at that point, I had 17 left. And he looked at me and said, oh, really? I, I've got four left. <laughs> like, are you kidding? You know, mo most, of, most of these folks are on the radar, at least. You know, hey, you know, Dev's about to re-up and, you know, someone else is about to re-up or someone else is 27 away and they're close to doing it. But this Glenn... Uh, wasn't even on the radar and so we're going in and he said yeah you know I'm not gonna you know look to to finish this until flirtation point opens up in Ray Colorado which is the total opposite side of the state right I said brother you better you better go ahead and finish it because by the time that opens up there'll be another 20 Colorado brewery so the very next weekend because um, I kind of saved uh, Northeast Colorado for for close to last, and I was walking into Parts and Labor in Sterling, and I hadn't put one foot through the door, and it said, hey, Paul! Now, I got kind of used to that, but it's usually, hey, Colorado, hey, Colorado beer guy. Uh, but this was specifically a hey, Paul, so I knew it was someone I actually knew, and it was Glenn. Ah. So, uh, I mean, literally the, the week before, Grand Junction, and then the next weekend, in the totally opposite end of Colorado, in Sterling, there's there's Glenn, and he's like, "Hey, you challenged me to get this done, so I'm here." <laughs> nice. But what are the chances we were both going to show up at the same time on the same day? On the opposite end of the state. Uh, the opposite, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, exact I mean, opposite end of the state. And then we went traveled down to down to it was about an hour away to to Yuma, and we did tumbleweed. And uh, yeah, so it's it's like this little fraternity sorority of <laughs> the folks have done the task, and we, we kind of all keep tabs on each other. But Glenn was an outlier, and I'm glad to say he's also a Colorado brewery master with us as well. That's cool. That's nice. So you touch on like just that little bit of meeting one person who's kind of doing the same thing, but for us and for you, you've said it too that the brewery's just being about community. And so what other kinds of community or like just kind of things that people did when you're doing this quest that did you notice that just really brought people together? Well, I mean, I mean, the whole 
craft beer industry is about community and collaboration, right? So uh, when people ask me, you know, what are specific stories, you know, you know what, what were some crazy things that happened along the way, what were some of the more memorable things that happened along the way, to me that's always been in the context of going to you know, a, a small brewery in a small town and drinking their beer with them. And, and by, by the end of the journey, I was recognizable. I, I, when I was putting my, my proof photos on Colorado Beer Guy on Facebook, it, typically the proof photo of me in the brewery with a beer, I made like the cover album, and which was a mistake, because after I was 150 breweries in and I'm scrolling down, I'm seeing 150 pictures of my own face <laughs> staring back at me. <laughs> So when the Colorado Brewery list you know, <laughs> interviewed me and asked what advice to give to other people going on the Colorado, you know, looking to be a Colorado Brewery Master, uh, one word of advice I gave was don't make your picture, your proof picture, <laughs> a, a cover album. But at the same time, it meant that I was getting recognized as I was going yeah. into places. And yeah, you know, I'm kind of recognizable, tattoos. You know, the hat, the you, you, But you're so sexy. You should have your oh, face. Come on. I've got a face for radio. I'm glad this is a podcast because I truly do have a face for radio. Um, you know, pay, face for podcast. But so by, by, by the end of that, I'm going into these small towns, you know, whether it's Meeker, Colorado, or, you know, you know, out in the sticks, Colorado, and people actually recognizing me as I'm going in. Oh, the, the Colorado Bear guy, you actually made it here to Delta. You actually made it here to Paonia. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm just a dude that's trying to support Colorado craft, especially during the time of coming out of you know all the restrictions that yeah. caused so many breweries to struggle and quite a few to close. Yeah. So. so you're talking about supporting the breweries. How are you actually, so beer, especially like in Colorado, is it's not a cheap, craft beer is not cheap kind of thing to have especially when some of the beers are generally like six seven eight and when you want the really big higher ABV beers like nine ten dollars yeah, for yeah. a glass um, how did you finance this journey um, <laughs> yeah no I'm not yeah. I'm semi-retired is how I like to put it I still work and I work a lot I'm an entrepreneur I'm a consultant to entrepreneurs but I can really work from anywhere so as long as there's Wi-Fi and some of these places there wasn't so that was kind of a bummer but as long as there's Wi-Fi and I've got my laptop I can I can really work from anywhere uh, you know it's often said the coffee sh coffee shop is the new office well for me the brewery is, mm -hmm. is the office and also the best ideas are born over a pint of beer so when I'm consulting my clients and I've had a beer, I'm usually giving better advice anyway. Right? <laughs> so it was a plus plus. I but I was trying to do the math. I, I didn't keep tabs because as you guys know, you can't write do off you, any of this stuff. Right. But do it's you really want to keep tabs of all the money? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, that's just it. Because I don't want to have to explain to my, to my bride. Yeah, honey. Uh, but when you do the general math, you know, I actually did 604 breweries in 18 months because I, I did um, a number in other states as well. So when we went back to Texas to visit a couple times, I'm doing breweries there. When I'm going to Arizona for, you know, son looking at college options, I did 50 there and go up to the, the fresh hop 
festival in Washington State, do you know, 15 up there. It's it's just part of my life. You, you, yeah. It's 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 mapping it out, but just as you go, you you visit breweries. So I did about well, not about. I did 604 in 18 months, and I figure between buying the beer and, and travel and hotels, if you average 30 bucks a stop, I think that's probably fair. That's 18. That's 18 grand. That's crazy. Right? <laughs> eight, eight. But at the same time, it, it, it was this journey of support, like I said. And it's not support, hey, I bought you know, $20 worth of beers from you and I'm tipping you well. And you know, maybe there's a hat or a t-shirt. Well, often there's a hat or t-shirt purchase in there. Um, it's, you know, I'd already created this Colorado Beer Guy Facebook page as an really is an admin account for various beer groups and pages I run on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But then when I started parking all these photo albums in there, so this journey has those 604 stops. All There's 604 photo albums of every place I stopped at. And because people were then starting to gravitate to that and following along with the journey, it became more about, I can use this as an outlet for exposure. So it's not me going there right. and spending 20 bucks. It's about me going there, taking pictures, and I would go through a pretty methodical process. Sign, tap room, you know, outside patio, the stainless, you know, I wanted to get, you know, a full, uh, multiple categories of photos on every stop and made that pretty methodic. So yeah, if, if, if I could go to that brewery in Meeker, Colorado, that one's Smoking River, by the way, shout out to them. <laughs> Good job, guys. Um, you know, it, it wasn't that I was spending 20 bucks there, it's that I, I was going to try and give them some exposure. And none of this, I mean, I understand what you you guys are doing, traveling around, you got to monetize it, right? But for me, I, I didn't have to monetize this, this was just yeah, out, of, out of pocket and out of a labor of love. No, I agree. And like we we do obviously try to make money off our website and all that kind of stuff, but it came from the same area that you're in. It's like we just before it was ever a business, we just love bone to breweries. Yeah. It's our thing. And we look yeah. for those cool small places and and I think we're very similar in the vein. Like people hear us talk about certain breweries all the time because it's like they're, and they're usually those little out-of-the-way places that we discovered somewhere, and you're like, there's a brewery here, really? Yeah. And it's like some of those are the funnest places, and it's yeah. not because they're, you know, beating Russian River at the beer game, you know, or something like that, or brewing the biggest beer ever or anything. It's just that they're doing a good job, and they make a great place that people want to come and hang out and have a good time, and they, it's that community thing. and Because yeah. we... We say it every single time. It's like it's all about the community more than the beer because the beer's the beer's fun well, you can and the beer's great, but it's just one part of the equation of what makes, I think, breweries so special. Because you can yeah. walk into a brewery and say hi to the stranger sitting next to you and immediately yeah. start up a conversation that can ultimately not be superficial but turns into this like really meaningful conversation exactly. that creates lasting lifetime friendships. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, you, you already have something in common because you're there, right? Uh-huh. Right. Hey, what are you drinking? Farmhouse, Pilsner, 
they're all aged out yeah. and and the, it's instant rapport and you're you're talking and I, I would tend to sit at the bar because mm-hmm. mm-hmm, I wanted to be able to talk to the beer tenders and, and get a feel for the brewery their perspective and I'm asking if you know the owner of the brewery's there brewers there and, and you know getting the little tour and whatnot but um, the, the 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 action and the discussions at the bar, as you guys know, are just and I was oh. just part of the fast, fascinating journey. I mean, oh, it, yeah. you can't duplicate that unless well, unless you go to a bar and sit at the bar and get into discussions with people. You know, depending on your personality, there, there's that makes the whole experience. If if I was go to go into the same establishment and it's just me. Sitting there, you know, I, I may maybe say, oh, you know, that wasn't a great brewery to go to. But once you got the community in there and you're sitting with them and you're chatting and you're talking about the beers and you're talking about what else is going on in town, man, that's the experience. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, trying to check off every Colorado brewery. It was a matter of collecting experiences and, quite frankly, falling in love with Colorado all over again. It's a gorgeous yeah, state, yeah. Cool. So on that note too, so I think a lot of people might be expecting us to ask, like, what's your favorite brewery, or like, mm-hmm. where did you really love, or things like that. And I, we're not asking that question because it's about everybody's own experiences when they yeah. show up to a brewery that's going to yeah. change their opinion on something. So I'm not going to ask you. And sorry, listeners, we're not asking you what your favorite brewery. Well, is. good because <laughs> a lot of folks have tried that, no. and it's like, gosh, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite band? Yeah. Yeah. Who's your favorite kid? Yeah, right. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Favorite wife? Yeah, and, and, so, yes, and so yeah. Of course, sometimes it depends on the mood, but it's the full experience. It's not yeah. who had the best beer. It, and for me, the the experience was very much um, influenced by the interaction with the community, the interaction with the the brewer owner, the beer tender, and just enjoying and soaking up the, yeah. the experience, which, um, I, I, again, was totally ancillary to the beer. Yep. So I know, like, our love for beer, like, at least for me, I credit it kind of to snowboarding and being on the mountains, because mm-hmm. when we're done, you're out there, and you're just having a great time, and it's kind of that same, almost, not quite, that same community when you're with people who are just doing something that they love, and you're on the mm-hmm. mountain, and then you get back to the bar afterwards and you order like that just that dark beer so that is kind of where our love came from and because when we were younger and in high school and you know well of course everybody knows you drink in high school whatever in college and stuff like you drink to get drunk for me it was elementary school but but that's that's a different story but that's where i'm going so i want to know where your like love for the craft came from Gosh, my, my, my love for the craft is a, a bit of a, a, I like to say it's a bit of a leather couch story. Um, so there's, there's really two facets to it. The first is I, I was born in England, um, 1968, so I'm an old guy, and lived there for the first 10 years of my life. Moved to Texas in 1978, so no accent, because when you move to Texas as a 10-year-old, you want to lose the accent really quickly. <laughs> um, but it's not this thing for me that happened 43 years ago. I, we go back all the time. All my relatives are there. So I, I, I'm actually a dual citizen, citizen, British and American. But... 
from three years old to ten years old, I was at this very strict English private school, you know, caning in the hand or on the butt cheeks in the front of the class. I'm talking a thin reed cane that really hurt. You know, the school uniform, the very oppressive um, learning environment, and very negative reinforcement uh, uh, learning environment. Yet, PE time was on the soccer pitches, the football pitches, the soccer pitches um, behind the school, and they were owned by the Whitbread Brewery. And the Whitbread Brewery location there in, in Bedfordshire, uh, England, uh, was at one point the largest single brewery in, um, in Europe. So much like we have the, you know, the huge Coors Brewery here in uh, Colorado, the equivalent was right behind my school. And so when I'm on that soccer pitch and I'm kicking the ball around or playing rugby or whatever, and you, you have that sense of freedom, you're outside of the classroom, the headmaster isn't calling you out, you're not getting <laughs> caned in front of the class, and the smell of malt in the air to where I just equated the smell of malt in the air with, with freedom, right? And my father at the time was the, the chief financial officer for Texas Instruments, um, European operations. I know that sounds fancy, but this was 1978. <laughs> and you know, the consumer products were starting to come online and, and get it exciting. And that's what ended up moving us to America. But he was always traveling. He was also, he was always absent and so when he was back and we were going to the and we were going to the the, the pubs and and the the, the the country club and enjoying great beer and for me as a you got to think as a nine and ten year old it's it's a it's a shandy so it's you start off with like one sixth beer five six you know the equivalent of sprite and then that ratio gets up to where you're, you're drinking a nice session beer with a splash of Sprite in it by the time you're 10 years old. Again, th these were different times back then. Mm -hmm. So I look back at my time in England as the greatest time I had with my, my, with my father and my mother and my family was the pubs. That's when we were all together. Uh, and again, that sense of community because the, the pub is the community gathering together. Plus the, um, the, uh, the strict private school experience and, and equating just the smell of malt with, with, with freedom and, and, and gosh, I'm, I, I could be me instead of being anxious and, and just consumed by a, a hate of being in this place, that, that school. Those coupled to, to me, the path was set. So then when you move to Texas in 1978, where you've got a dearth of beer, right? You've got a dearth of public housing, you know, gathering spaces, you know, unless you want to go kick back a, you know, a Lone Star and a, a Shiner. Shiner. Right? Yeah, that, that, was, that was about as exciting as it yeah. got, right? And so by the time I was 14, year old, 14 years old, I was homebrewing with my brother who was one year younger than me. My dad, I like, I used to say with my dad, but really, no, it was just my brother and I who were as <laughs> 14 and 15 year olds were home brewing and we were bringing extract back from England from our trip. So it was pretty, pretty much extract brewing because if you wanted a decent beer or even in the case of my brother, a decent shandy, you know, you, 
you, you got to brew it yourself. And, yeah. and then Charlie's book came out. Gosh, what year was that? 84, 85, I forget. And, and so the home brewing thing really caught on. And so that the whole going back to England and the transition from England to Texas is really what set in motion just my, my love of craft beer. How did you not open up a brewery? Did that ever cross your mind? Um, I didn't open one up, but I, I was a, a, a minority owner, 15% owner in a, in a brewery that had just opened up in Delaware. It was the first um, post-prohibition packaging uh, brewery in 1995, and then Sam opened up Dogfish Head the same year, but as a brew pub. And I found myself, we were in Wilmington, and you did the basic you know, blonde IPA, brown. Uh, and Sam was doing this interesting stuff down in Rehoboth, <laughs> and of course we were always intersecting on the, you know, the beer festival circuit. And so I ended up, you know, driving down there often because I liked his beer better. Uh, we were limited because you know we had a pretty big system, and yeah, yeah, meanwhile he's got his little one barrel thing going down <laughs> there and can do whatever crazy thing he wanted. If, if we wanted to do something crazy, it, you know, we were screwing up 25 barrels. Down there, he was able to do some fascinating stuff. And, and Smaller's better sometimes. And of course now, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. my, my brewery is long since out of business. You know, I don't mind saying that. And, and that's another story in and of itself, which, because it had, it had nothing to do with me. Uh, whereas, of course, Sam has yeah. done some incredible And if y'all don't know Dogfish Head, you better be talking to us a little bit <laughs> more so we can do some more education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seek out just about any Dogfish Head beer mm. and you will not be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, uh, so I have actually been a brewery owner. So I know we've been doing these collab brew days together this, this week. And it's the, the obligatory, you know, grain out picture with the, the paddle yeah. of the grain. No. <laughs> I had to do that for real more times than, than I can count. And uh, yeah, yeah we kind of joke because we help with canning sometimes, often a lot mm. at Woods Boss here in Denver too. And so we we'll help mm. with canning. And to us, it's kind of like glamorous because you don't do it a lot and you're taking pictures and doing video and you're having fun. But actually, with canning, you're kind of working more than you are when you're brewing. Yep. But oh, you yeah. still get like the fresh beer off the canning line and stuff. But you do realize, like, though. Sure, pour. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. But like with canning <laughs> and brewing, if you're doing that all the time, it's a job and it's tedious. Mm -hmm. It's not the most exciting thing in the world. Now, for us, back in 1995, it wasn't cans; it was bottles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, gosh, that made it even more interesting. On, on you know, bottling day <laughs> was both one of joy. Because, hey, here's my product. Look at the neat, mm -hmm. neat crown cap. And uh, excruciating pain, you know, with the <laughs> you know, having to fight the bottling system and the labeling oh, system. Yeah. It's, it's much better these days. But. Well, even from us on a homebrew, when we're t like tiny, mm -hmm. as I call it, tiny brewing in the RV, like there's it's bottling day, and if it's like cold outside, you're doing it generally inside, and we're in this tiny little space, and I'm like half crouched down on the floor, like messing with the the bottling in the caps and like oh, yeah. half-ass working and half-not, spilling beer all over the damn floor when it didn't get out the right way or no, something. It's, but, yeah. it's, so it's still fun. But it's funny, the little joys, right? You know, so just the handheld bottle capper, you have, oh, I got one now. I can bolt to the table and <laughs> pull the lever down. And now, yeah. Uh, now, I gave up on home brewing many years ago um, because 
there's too there's too many good beers to experience now and or at least that's what I tell people it's because oh there's too many good beers to experience now I think the reality was I just hated cleaning the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah, because that's what you <laughs> do like, when you There's a lot of cleaning like, involved. I didn't yes. realize, you know, that you know this this quote unquote glamorous escapade was yeah. going to be eighty percent cleaning and twenty percent brewing. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some more facets to the English story, the England story, but. Um, that's what I'm going to go into. Yeah, no, say, so tell no, me more about England. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying that the whole process, as a, so as a 16-year-old, my parents threw me the 16-year-old, the you know, birthday party. Here it is in Texas. I have to back up and tell another story okay. as well. But um, they got these 20 different English beers. Some of them had been carted back. Um, in suitcases in preparation for my my 16th birthday. I mean, you got to think of it. You know, how crazy is this, right? Parents, you know, carting back beers. And so we had the, about 16 different beers for my 16th birthday. Not about. We had 16 different beers for my 16th birthday, and everything from Bass to to Fuller's, you know, London Pride, you know, Samuel Smith's. So the stuff you could kind of get by then, and then some some a lot of outliers. Um, that had been brought back and so I invited a bunch of friends and you know my parents are cracking open these beers <laughs> and you know we're hearing after the fact right what my son my daughter went to your 16th birthday party and your parents were cracking open a bunch of beers and um, that actually be began that began my process of collecting beer bottles so I had these 16 beer bottles um, all from the United Kingdom. I'm like, oh, I kind of like the whole beer bottle thing. So from there on out, you know, with fake ID in hand in Texas, and then I went, went to college and found a place that would sell singles. By the time I finished college, I had 6,000 different bottles, all different beers, all that I had at least tasted, not necessarily drank the whole beer, but at least tasted personally. And when I moved from Texas to Colorado in, in, in 2001, and we realized that it would take a whole nother truck and a half just to move those, I ended up getting rid of them. And that I'm was like, no, I at least popped all the caps, so I've got an amazing bottle cap collection. Um, but you know, the point being, it, it was still part of that, that English heritage the 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 you know supported the craft beer journey but the one story i have to share with you is fresh off the boat 1978 used to playing soccer in 50 60 degree weather right you know usually misty or rainy and the smell of the mud moved to texas and that first year that we were playing soccer in Texas. It was a summer league, which you know, whoever thought a summer soccer league in Texas was a good idea. Yeah, no, it's needs, hot. Needs to be shot. Yes. In true Texas fashion, needs to be shot. And of course, it's dry dirt ground. It's uh, 100 degrees outside. My brother and I are on the same team. It's halftime. We come over to the bench. Again, this is the first year we're there, 1978. My dad hands us an ice-cold Coors Light each. I'm 10 years old, my brother's nine years old. This is Dallas, Texas, or Plano, <laughs> Texas. You know, people looking at him, and 
one of the parents went up to him and said, you know, David, this, this kind of thing just isn't done here. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad replied with kind of, I think it was, it was an old Monty, Monty Python joke. And he said, oh, really? Do you know what American beer and making love in a canoe have in common? His parents looking at him like, no, what? And he says, they're both effing close to water. So needless to say, we weren't, you know, we weren't, you know, we weren't in with the soccer moms of the day. <laughs> and uh, and we, re- we have repeated that story at like every Thanksgiving and Christmas since. Yeah. That's a great story. I love it. <laughs> You know, if we all drank beer like that, we wouldn't have such a damn problem in the United States. <laughs> right. No, but, that, but that's part of it, right? So, you know, obviously this is out there. There's been newspapers and radio stations and whatnot saying, this, you know, the Colorado beer guy hitting every Colorado brewery. And then you get the comments, some of the comments. Oh, it seems like you're celebrating, you know, alcoholism or you're, you're <laughs> celebrating drunkenness. I'm like, ah, this was a... This was a journey of moderation. In fact, if I was doing five breweries in a day, you know, I would have a designated driver, driver, you know, Uber, Lyft. You want that fifth stop to be just as good as the first first stop as far as appreciating the beer and getting to know what that brewery is about. So it so it, it was a journey of moderation because I really wanted to appreciate the breweries. But to your point, as a child being able to have a shandy initially with with my parents and then the being able to homebrew at at home as a you know as a high schooler middle schooler and high schooler um, and and getting that appreciation of good beer uh, by the time i was in you know the the last couple years of high school and everyone's trying to beer bong a 12-pack, and they think that's cool, and playing quarter. You know, I had my moments, don't get me wrong. But typically, I was the guy sitting in the corner with a bottle of, of, of Guinness or, you know, London Pride, and they thought I was the badass, because I was drinking, I was that guy in the corner drinking a dark beer, you know, which was typically the same ABV or even lower in some cases than what they were trying to beer bong. I didn't use alcohol as a means of rebellion because I was brought up appreciating it in the context of moderation, in the context of community, in the, in the, in the context of, of gathering with friends. Um, not to get drunk, but just to enjoy time together and, and, have a, and have one or two decent beers instead of six crappy beers. And that is something we are also doing with our kids today. My my son has my son's probably been to more Colorado breweries than most people in Colorado. Same with my daughters. And whether they're drinking kombucha or in in the case of the olders, my, my son, you know, he's he's drinking off my flights with me and we don't think anything badly about that because I'm the same thing. I want him to appreciate the craft, 
and I want him to drink in moderation and not use it as a means of rebellion. Yeah, you're not just crushing a six pack to get drunk or yeah. whatever. It's, yeah, and that's, I've had that same. I've used that same sort of analogy. Like growing up, I was born in Nebraska, and you know, in Nebraska, like going out hunting and things like that are a pretty normal mm-hmm. course of life. And like I learned to shoot a firearm when I was about five years old for the first time. And my parents never hid those from me. They, they taught me what they could do and how they worked and everything. And so I never really had that like, ooh, what? I wanna go show this off to my friends. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, I know what this can do. I know, I understand how dangerous it is and that it's a tool for this, not for playing around. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing. You know, alcohol can be a dangerous thing mm-hmm. for people that don't know how to handle it or have, you know, some sort of addiction or something. But Oh, yeah, and I fully acknowledge that. And you know, oftentimes, you know, if someone's friended me on Facebook, I'm, I'm, in, in, I'm inviting them to my Colorado Beer Guy page. And mm-hmm. sometimes I get the message back, yeah, I'm, I used to be an alcoholic. And, or, you know, and so thanks for the invite. And I'm replying, hey, that's great. I, yeah. I, you know, the last thing we we want to do with what we're doing to help create exposure for Colorado breweries is cause others to stumble or or supposedly celebrate something that you haven't have an issue with. And yeah, you know, it's um, it's 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 just got to be done right. It's got to be done with an appreciation of the craft. Otherwise, it becomes an. You know, an addiction or a destructive behavior, much like any other things taken past moderation. So speaking of moderation, so we've talked off mic about um, a little, it's the wrong word, diet that you like to do to kind of bring bring (laughs) your like, it's okay, here, I want to talk about, if if you don't mind, I'm just enthralled by it, I think it's kind of cool. But so a lot of people automatically think if you're drinking all this beer, you're going to be like completely obese and you know not healthy at all and not like worrying about anything. And it's just not the case with a lot of beer drinkers who really love the beer. They do their best to kind of do what they can to keep their health going because you know the whole saying yep. of like the liver must be punished is not like true. Not really, really? A good saying. No. <laughs> yeah. Probably not a high quality saying. <laughs> so a lot I've, of I've got a lot of people super branding my liver as <laughs> <Me> super <laughs> liver, <laughs> right? <laughs> Colorado beer guys, super liver. But like a lot of people who try January, for example, they will take like the whole month of January off from drinking or they'll take like, they'll take a break from drinking period and not drink. But you have an opposite take on this that I was just like, wait, what? So tell me more. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm certainly not the first guy to come up with this. I know, but it's this, just, this, this we been, were talking. Yeah, and this this is, is 19, or not 19, the 1600s, right? Small uh, with the, 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 the Paul Anner monks, a lot of people can appreciate Paul Anner beer. Um, but the Paul Anner monks, um, during the Lenten season, uh, doing a no-food fast, brewed a... a an extra strong beer, you know, a Doppelbach, which today we we know as Salvator, and there's a lot of renditions of that, variations of that. But during the time, um, their liquid diet and this this strong beer, um, they took over a 46 day period, a 40, 46 day 
fast of beer only, with the exception of the reason it's a 46-day instead of a 40-day fast is Sundays they were allowed a little food because Sundays are feast days. I was raised Catholic. I'm not Catholic anymore. But I, you know, I, I pre appreciate some of those traditions. And so I wanted to do a, a Lenten beer only fast. And, and much like when I shared it with you the first time, you thought I said, you know, I no was beer. fasting from beer. No, yeah. this was beer only. Yes. So my, my diet for four, and I, I, and I didn't eat food on Sundays because to me that was actually more difficult because the first seven to 10 days are the toughest with, uh, you know, you, when you smell food during that time, you really want it. But then after that time, you can get satisfied, you know, ironically satisfied just by the, the smell of food. Ah, oh, great, bacon sandwich. I feel like I just had it. <laughs> and so I didn't want to, like, you know, get back into that tough seven-day period once a week with, with getting something to eat on Sunday. So I just went 46 days straight, just beer, water, and vitamins. And I don't recommend that to anybody or everybody. You have to have the disclaimer I, in there. He is yeah, not a physician I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a counselor. Or but, <laughs> but, you know, my background has seen, you know, I, I've, I've developed dietary supplements. There's some supplements out there that are pretty well known that people know me for developing. Before it became the Colorado beer guy, people knew me as a dietary supplement guy. So it's, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy, right? What you're right. the Colorado beer guy after being this health guy? But so even on this journey, I, I developed a supplement for myself. It's not it's not on the market, and I'm not even you know trying to do this thinking I'm, I am going to put it on the market. But I, I developed something I took every day for my liver. But the 46-day beer fast, I'm actually going to do this year again. So Ash Wednesday is coming up on the, on March 2nd, Wednesday, March 2nd. But I'm just going to run it 40 days straight. I'm not going to do the 46-day thing that I did last year. But yeah, it's, it's I tried to be a traditionalist. I tr last year, I, I you know started off with trying to do three duffel bucks a day. And gosh, I love duffel bucks, but when you're doing three a day and the first five days like oh my gosh I, I I'll be okay if I don't see another see or taste another <laughs> duffel box for the rest of my life um, so I, I I mixed it up last year this year I'm gonna be more structured I'm gonna do you know one in the tradition of you know the the, the monks uh, so whether it's a a, a German beer or a Belgian beer, a Trappist beer, and then one Colorado beer, and then use the third option as a, you know, a whatever beer. Um, I'm allowed up to five beers a day, but I typically would do three beers or less. Do you spread that out throughout the whole day? Yeah, but you get up breakfast, you know? <laughs> breakfast beer. Breakfast, oh yeah, yeah. So you got a coffee stout, a Guinness. It's usually, right. for breakfast, it's usually one of those where you feel like you're having a cup of coffee. Huh. Um, but Guinness is, is my easy go-to. And should it's, it be like more substantial beers that you, instead of like, versus like a lager or a Pilsner or something? No, or does that no, really matter? No, no, you just mix it up. Okay. So. Okay, I got to ask the question that I'm pretty sure most people listening are ready to, are like, asking right now why 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 do you do it why do you do a 40-day fast of just drinking beer I mean well because you're the Colorado beer guy or is there something is there some meaning behind it is there something deeper like 
Well, I mean, it, it it's it's not about diet. It's not about losing weight. I, I will lose 40 pounds. I guarantee you. I average, when I'm doing a liquid fast, even when I did liquid fasts in the past, I would average a, a pound a day. I will lose 40 pounds, but I will gain it back. So it's it's not a, because I'm, you know, again, from England, meat and potatoes, <laughs> breweries, food trucks. I love my food trucks. I love my burgers, my sausage. I'm actually also... Little known fact is I also have a profile called Colorado Sausage Guy, but um, that's just me and, and again, my, my love of sausages, and I do burgers on that thing as well. You have but, a food truck, right? But anyway, yeah, I have a, uh, yeah, I have a, a food truck called Passport Burger. Okay, cool. Been to a lot of countries over the years, oh, just shy of 100. Okay, keep going, because we're going to talk about the shy of 100 countries. Too. Okay, keep just, yeah, just shy of 100 countries, <laughs> and, and so I wanted to... De- develop something where I'm taking the great American, you know, hamburger, cheeseburger, and then, you know, morphing it, fusing it with different styles. So we have the Korean burger, the German burger, the, they're all fusion. So it wouldn't be a burger you would get in Korea or in Germany, but it's, it's the American hamburger with a twist. And so I love my big old juicy hamburgers and fries. Part of it is spiritual. I mean, it it is a spiritual journey. Well, it's, it's, it's not just that a part of it is spiritual. A good part of it is spiritual. Because it, it doesn't matter what faith system you're a part of. When you deprive yourself of food for 40 days, you realize that it's much bigger than you. You're, we're not self-sustainable units. You know, We at least need those, those external inputs. You know, and, you know, whether it's you know, social, mental, um, physical, physical, in this case being food, when, when you're depriving yourself of that and you're trying to reflect on, meditate on your own essence and what life's all about, man, it's deeply meaningful. So I'll, I'll typically go through a reading program and some other things that I want to dwell upon and, and pray upon. Um, each day and so you know people if they want to do this as a weight loss as weird as drinking beer every day sounds for for weight loss it, it's it's not the right motivation now as far as the the public Colorado beer guy thing I'm, I'm focusing on the beer right hey I had these three beers today and you know and this one was right. great and that one you know maybe not so great I'm not really sure sharing the the, the more personal Man, these were my reflections on what it means to be, you know, part of this world today, or your your relationship with with God or a higher power. Because, you know, people don't want to go to the Colorado Beer Guy page and see that kind of stuff. Plus, you know, depending on what scriptures a certain person relies upon, um, the you know, in the the traditional biblical sense you're not supposed to broadcast your fasting you know because then you're 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 making it about you instead of making it about whatever relationship you have to that to that higher being so i'm not really sharing that stuff i you know that's that's the personal side the the deeper meaning side of of that fasting journey but when i begin it again on march 2nd um I'll be I'll be talking about the beers, you know. If if someone wants right. to learn the other side of it, you know that 
that may not even be something I want to share because it's, uh, it's again you're not supposed to publicize that part of it that that's between me and my God and um, and it's gonna be something I do every year I've committed to doing it every year so come this Lenten again not Catholic but come Lenten season each year you can expect the Colorado beer guy to be doing nothing but beer for 40 days <laughs> and water and supplements so I mean, you don't need my affirmation or anything like that mm -hmm. it's just it's just a really cool story that you're telling and willing to share with the listeners too as to why you do that okay but wait there's one more thing we have to touch on because i really want to hear about your go there's what just under 200 countries in the no, in the, no there's just under 200 countries in the world yeah, that's more something than like that 300, 300? It, yeah it depends how they're categorized right. categorized however though you said you've been to 100 just shy of 100, and I'm, I'm really upset the the COVID deal has caused me to not break that barrier. So I'd like to be able to say I've been to 100 plus countries. I have a but, feeling you will be able to. Uh, but I'm at like I'm sitting at like 97. Okay. So it's like three. Come on, give me three countries to go <laughs> to. So where did um, the, the traveling come from? Like what's behind this traveling? What some of the countries that you've been to? Like we can't be here for six hours talking about everything. Yeah, every single country, uh, but. Well, obviously. Um, Coming from England, you know, that you know, part of you know, I went to Spain as a kid and all that, but that doesn't really even count. But being able to take the ferry across to France and you know, hitting Belgium and some other countries, you know, that is part of, of that journey. Um, but the majority of it came from my work with orphaned, abandoned, trafficked, and enslaved kids. So I'm going to you know, projects overseas. I've been involved in charities, help start charities um, that work with these disadvantaged, at-risk children. But, you know, when people say, ah, oh, you've been to almost 100 countries, that's great. Oh, you know, Italy, wow, Greece, not, yeah. Italy, no, Greece, no. I've been to the armpits of the world because I'm, I'm in the slums, you know, we're working with, with Families that um, have lost, or not so much families, you know, kids who have lost parents because of AIDS or ethnic um, fighting or a whole host of uh, other, you know, displacement. And so my experience with the world is the, the, the you know, the alleyways, the slums, uh, you know, trying to help kids. And it's, it's a totally different experience, but to me a totally more fulfilling experience. As far as this beer podcast goes, with living a stout life, obviously, if I'm going to Nairobi, I'm drinking a I'm drinking a beer there. If I'm going to Laos, I'm having the Lao beer. If I'm going to you know wherever, right? I'm I'm, I'm drinking the local beer because that's just the way I'm wired. So it, it becomes exciting uh, in that uh, respect as well. Usually, after a hard day with you know dealing with whatever issues there there were with the the child prevention rescue aftercare projects but yeah no uh just shy of 100 countries it's you know just part of the tapestry where you've got the the dark strands interweave with the colorful strands but that gives the whole whole thing definition a lot of these countries are again places or at least the the parts of the countries i go to are are places people would never want to go to. You know, literally walking on excrement in the in the slums of Bombay or, or Nairobi. Um, but it, it's part of what you know just keeps the fascination 
of life and culture and community going. That's like the mm-hmm. mm, like the biggest kind of how do I want to put the question? I don't know takeaway you've come from traveling to these different countries or something that's kind of uh, really biggest takeaway. Um, we're we're all so different, but we're all so the same. Um, you know, if if I'm and happiness doesn't come from things. Uh, happiness comes from relationship and experiences. And oftentimes when we go to some of these other countries and we want to back up the dump truck truck of money to help them out, then they start realizing, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize I missed that before. Now I'm missing it. it we screw everything up. You know, the, the, the joy of life is, it comes back to community community and friends and a lot of these places we go to where they have nothing right there their soccer ball is a bunch of plastic bags yeah. you know made into a ball which they also will um, you know, have to go to the bathroom into and throw out because there's no running water or, or, or toilets for, for, for that I mean, and then you introduce the soccer ball you're like hey you know we're the Americans. Yeah, here's a real soccer ball. Right. And hey, what's that thing in your hand? That phone. And, and now they start realizing the things they're lacking. And they go from a place of joy to a place of sadness. And we're like, man, we don't need to keep going over there and screwing it up. I mean, there has to be basic health care and, mm-hmm. and, and food and you know, nutrition. Oftentimes, we go over there and we just screw it up. And they were more joyful without all the crap that... that we're trying to attain and, and spend all our, our lives chasing. Um, they're, they're, they're joyful without that. And, and we think we need to introduce them to that? No. Well, it's we're trying a, to do something. We think we're doing something good. We're, yeah. There's good intention behind it. But that good intention. But <laughs> that good intention, I think we're more and more learning that we should be educating ourselves more about their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Before we just jump in and say, "Oh, here's such and such thousands of pairs of new shoes for you, or yeah. this or that," you know, I mean, it, it sounds good to us because we come from our perspective on our lifestyle, and it's it's easy to be caught in that trap yeah. of thinking everybody else thinks the same way, and it's like, yeah. no, they have a different life that they've grown up in. Yep. So we got to be considerate yeah. of that first. Exactly. And how we're affecting it. Yep. Now, again, right. basic necessities important. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, the best way we can build into a lot of these communities, I, I realize this is a beer podcast. I know, but right? I love this topic, but too. The best way we no, can build the into these communities is, um, <laughs> is help, you know, it's it's just a leg up. It's it's helping create situations of self-sustainability yep. where it's them helping themselves yep. not relying on the western dollars and whatnot but yeah, now bringing it back to beer again yep, yep. beer beer is part of that equation for me and and uh, again if you've had a hard day in the slums you want a good beer yep. and so you're seeking that out and uh the but i was gonna say but even think about it no matter where you are whatever people you're with it may not be beer or alcohol that you're drinking around but you're sitting around a table or sitting around something with something in hand having a conversation about like the community or the world and the, like that just brings people together yeah 
Yep. Well, yeah. and for me, it, it's often beer. It is, but, but you know, and if you think and, about I wanna, beer, you know, and I don't care if it's corn they've chewed on and spit in and fermented, yeah. right? I'm gonna mm-hmm. drink it because you know but I, I, I want to experience that. Yeah, yeah. At, at the core, mm-hmm. what, at, back in the day, I mean, beer was a way of having something to drink that wasn't yep. going to kill you. Yep. Like water was not safe <laughs> hundreds of years ago. Was water wasn't safe yeah. to drink, and, and you know. It literally was a way to make something that you could drink and not, you know, as long as you don't consume barrels and barrels. I 100% agree with you, Ken, but it's not what this thing from yesteryear. It's still today as well. There's a lot of communities around the world without safe drinking water. I'm not saying, hey, everyone start drinking, you know, brewing beer. Right. But there's a lot of communities around the world without safe drinking water. uh, Right. They're, they're trying to do their thing, and often it includes fermentation mm-hmm. to be, and, you know, and you know, the boiling process and fer- fermentation to, to have something safe to drink. It's yeah. still true around the world today as it yeah. was back in the Middle Ages. Grab a beer, like raise a glass, like say hi to a stranger, and I don't know. You'll be taken off to another world even if you're not going anywhere. Yep. Really, that's yep. that's kind of it right there. Whether you can travel yep. or not, if you're sitting around a bar, ah, brewery with the, a beer, like you're taking off to another world. But with with just beer in general, you can experience, you know, the the old Czechoslovakia and, and of course Germany and, and England and America and you know even Italian pilsners. You can you you can experience the world in a glass, right? Yeah. That here in Colorado, we we're also just super blessed with just the the range of ethnic breweries. I'm just saying ethnic owned. I'm talking about you know going back to real traditional styles. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously within the Latino category, we've got you know Racy's and Chaluna and Atrevida and even. Cerveceria, Colorado, you know, part of yeah. the Denver Beer Company, and and try, I'm, I'm missing a bunch. Oh, and Dos Lucy, oh, no. Dos Lucy and, and, and of course, doing and of course, Dos Lucy's doing, doing the, the tri- traditional. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. Oh man, or that, that, a, now yeah. doing this yeah. Jamaican and then, then style Jamaican, stuff. You've got I mean, you've got those guys, and, Jade and, and, and obviously and we've got Jade German Mountain, covered and Jade Mountain <laughs> with what you know, of course oh. what we experience. Jade Mountain, they together with the. The, the take and, and not just um, you know the the South China you know history that that they have as a couple but you know Thailand and Korea you know, experiencing all yeah. the other styles and man I love that we we've we're it, like and, and embarrassingly and, and, spoiled and, yeah <laughs> and, it's, and it's not gimmicky they're no. well built balanced beers with with different pra- you know flavor profiles so I can be just as happy going to spice trade and and, and having a you know a, a chai milk stout with with a Korean burger as I would hitting my 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 own you know burger food truck having an IPA in Castle Rock Colorado <laughs> right <laughs> yep. so I think uh, what was what did Tim bring us? Closing this out, we're at we're at Strange Craft and Beer Company in Denver recording this as we're at another collab brew day, another which we've been having a phenomenal time doing yep. these brew days. But uh, we're at Strange Craft who ha, who Tim here has his buddy Jason up from Freetail 
brewing in San Antonio, in San Antonio yep. Texas, and they're brewing a collab beer to be unleashed in April. But Tim was kind enough to give us a little sneak peek at um, this big cherry stout they're dropping, and it's called Cherry Bomb. Yep, fantastic beer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so and great one to cheers with. I think cheers we should end on a bomb. To end on a bomb. <laughs> cheers to fantastic beers, fantastic breweries, fantastic people, and lifelong friends because you say hi to a stranger. Yes. Yeah, I know that's repetitive, but that's what I always no, say. No. Yeah, cheers, cheers Paul. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you, Ken April. Cheers. Meeting Paul and hanging out with him and getting to know him more was such an honor. And I'm, I think like you too, I would assume that we're both grateful that he's now like a friend. Oh yeah, we've spent a lot of time with Paul. Like like we said in, it, um, in the beginning, like we've been to a lot of brew days together and stuff, and so we've got to spend a lot of time together and get to know each other on a much more personal level than we get to with a lot of people. And he's just become a really good friend. Yeah, and he's such a humble humble guy, just a really humble guy. And like you heard him earlier, like he was just basically trying to support Colorado Craft. Um, mm-hmm. But in so doing, he turns out, as you guys heard, he had a lot to say. He still has a lot to say, and he's an inspirational guy. Probably, I mean, without even trying to be so, he is. So mm-hmm. on that note, make sure you go to Facebook and check him out. Like his page. It's Colorado Beer Guy. Colorado spelled out. Um, but, yeah, go there and check it out. He's got so many photos and just cool <laughs> stories. That's that's his medium is that place. And you yeah. heard him also, 607 stops, I think it was, 607 breweries within those 18 months. And that means he also has 607 Facebook, like, photo albums. So yeah, tons he of imagery. Facebook, is, the photo albums is like, the, I went to every one of these yeah. and posts them all up there. And what's cool with that is it's a great resource for the rest of us to go, Hey, should I go check out this brewery or that brewery? And like, if it's definitely if it's in Colorado, you're gonna find it on Paul's Colorado Beer Guy page, and yeah. you're gonna see you can check out, you know, what the space is like and stuff before you go. So, but yeah, so he's oh, yeah, check him out. Great, 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 great guy. And if you see him, you'll see him. You'll know him if you see him. <laughs> he's uh, very distinctive. Yeah, you'll see him in in some of those photos in his Facebook pro- profile photo. He's. He definitely has the brewery guy look, a beer guy look, you know, and uh, he's pretty unique, unique character. Yeah. So wherever you see him across the country, across the world, give him a hey, give him a cheers. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And say a thanks. Like pretty inspirational guy. So we're saying thanks to him, too. And on that note, we've taken up plenty of your time. So you got it. What are they supposed to do? Oh, make sure you uh, leave us a review, follow and share the podcast with your buddies. And uh, yeah. Maybe uh, jump on our website to our podcast page and buy us a beer. That helps keep the show going. We appreciate it. And I almost forgot. We were supposed to look up the more information on the Ryan Heiskabot boot, bike, bike, whatever, laws. Heiskabot. <laughs> Which we did not do. So it just means you'll have to tune in again. So hopefully we'll remember to do it next time. Right? Let's hope so. Yeah. Just keep listening to us. We'll eventually get I there. I promise it's not a gimmick to keep you listening. But Oh, it is. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> It's not intentionally, but you know. It's not. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.